Sunbreak Your Health, the program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. Today our topic is neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, and our guest is the father and co-creator of NLP, Richard Bandler. From the structure of magic to frogs into princes to get the life you want, he sold well over a million books worldwide and has helped thousands of people with his seminars, workshops, and personal lessons. Good afternoon, Richard. Wonderful. In 1973, you developed the original ideas for NLP as a set of models and principles about how the mind, neurology, and language patterns are involved in determining our subjective reality and resulting behaviors. What was the experience like? What happened at the time was the skills of somebody who was a formal model or a mathematician in those days was pretty much strictly used to take human behavior and reduce it to equations so a computer could do something. So if an accountant had skills, we wanted the computer to have the skills. We had to model human behavior. But the things we were having computers do in those days were primarily not very interesting. Statistics, accounting, you know, predicting which way nuclear energy would mutate in the wind. And uh, I was looking for something a little more hands-on. So I took the same skills and began to model great communicators like Milton H. Erickson and Virginia Satir to try to figure out what these people were doing intuitively whereas Noam Chomsky had built a model of how people spoke and understood language intuitively. The question is, how did people intuitively use language to produce human learning? Uh, originally, I kind of came into conflict with the field of psychology, much like Chomsky did. Originally, people like B.F. Skinner said Chomsky was wrong about language, and that uh, when Chomsky mapped how people intuitively spoke language and our ability to know what's a well-formed sentence of our native tongue, uh, we don't know how we know that, but we know whether sentences are well-formed. If somebody goes, me, you, ideas, colorlessly green, uh, without knowing anything about syntax, you know it's not a well-formed sentence of your language. And if somebody says, colorless green ideas sleep furiously, you know it's still not well-formed, but it's more well-formed than the first one. And our neurological intuitions determine this. I believe that the intuitive behavior of great communicators could be modeled and therefore taught, not to machines, but to other human beings, and set about doing that. And that's pretty much where NLP started and how it got its birth. We wanted to be able to make greater skilled communicators. What happened originally was I found out that most psychotherapists really couldn't produce many results that if people had a fear of height, the odds of their getting rid of it were uh, statistically enormous. So I took another tact. I started getting people who had solved problems, like they had a fear of heights and got over it, and started finding out what they did unconsciously. And that was the real birth of NLP, when we started finding ways of modeling human success and making it so it was easily learnable so that we could teach people, uh, both therapists but the end user, like I did in Frogs and Princes, how to take fears and just simply get rid of them. After Frogs into Princes came out, I had thousands and thousands of postcards and letters from people who had fears of heights and fears of driving and fears of all kinds of things, and they just simply followed the steps in that book and got rid of them. 
In fact, I got a letter from the Grand Canyon, and somebody uh, wrote me and said, I was in therapy for 12 years and never got rid of my fear of heights. I'm hanging off the Grand Canyon after reading your book for $7.95. Thank you very much. What exactly is NLP? Neuro-linguistic programming is the name that I gave to the models that I built. The kind of odd thing is, is uh, I was speeding once, and a highway patrolman pulled me over. And back in the old days, on uh, your ticket, it said profession. And when he asked me what I did, I looked on the floor of my car, and I had a neurology book, a programming manual from a PDP 1134A, and a basic neurology book about the motor cortex. So I just took half of each word and went neuro-linguistic programmer. And I liked the sound of it, so I got a sign and put it on my door. I never intended to, to become as involved in the kinds of things that I do nowadays as I did, but I had no idea people would take to it the way they have over the years. And neuro-linguistic programming is basically the study of how we subjectively experience and influence our, our neurology. It's said that the map is not the territory, that we really don't know reality. We only know our perception of reality. How can we change our perceptions? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like saying the map is not the territory. The fact that you have a menu that describes food doesn't mean you can eat it. And the same thing is true. We have beliefs about the world, but it isn't the world that's that way. It's our beliefs. Some people believe heights are scary, and other people don't. Some people believe they can be successful, and some people don't. And those beliefs allow you to see things and hear things and feel things differently. And insofar as you can change your beliefs, you can change your perceptions, and then you can change your future and make anything possible. What can NLP do for people? To me, uh, potentially, neuro-linguistic programming can offer people the ability to change their intuitions about anything. We take people who are completely convinced they could never be artistic, and we install the same strategies used by artists, and they end up painting for the rest of their life. We do the same thing with music, especially for kids in school. We can teach them how to spell by giving them a spelling strategy. We teach them to make big pictures of words inside their head so they're easy to copy down. After all, you can't spell phonetics phonetically. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It's pahonics, <laughs> the pahonic learning system. Is NLP mainly for dealing with phobias, or can we also use it for improved learning or to improve performance? Well, actually, it, it's about improving performance. Uh, whereas we built a model about how to get rid of fears and how to get rid of anxieties, that was primarily because when I started, I modeled psychotherapists, and they kept sending me more and more clients. And uh, so I became involved in finding solutions for people that had, quote, psychological problems. But most of the time, I didn't look at them as problems. Even severe schizophrenics, uh, to me, were not profoundly different than politicians in their visions. Uh, one convinced a lot of people to share their vision, and the other ended up in a mental hospital. But uh, to me, it's not profound in nature. I had to teach people how to make distinctions between their own ideas and shared reality. And then they could leave a hospital and go function in the world. 
But I was always much more interested in the educational applications. How do we teach people to make better decisions while running their businesses? How do we teach people to have better personal relationships? How do we teach kids to be uh, learning at a faster rate, to read, write, do arithmetic, and ultimately chemistry and math and art and music and athletics? I work with Olympic athletes. Uh, I've worked with NASA. I've worked with all kinds of organizations. Uh, you know, I designed a program now that's being used in medical schools in England to teach doctors to be able to gather verbal information better. Uh, NLP is not like a normal field in that it's about the, how people process information. It's really metadisciplinary instead of interdisciplinary. You can have biochemistry where two fields work together. But neuro-linguistic programming is about how people inside a field process their information. So it pretty much can be applied to anything. NLP uses a variety of different techniques, such as body language, eye position. How are these types of things part of the overall system? Well, in order to know what people are doing, especially unconsciously, you have to be able to read their behavior. While psychology had claimed for years to observe human behavior and to actually to be unsubjective in their, that they would be objective in their opinions, somehow or other they missed the fact that by watching the movement of eyes, you can tell what modality human beings are thinking of. That when people go, hmm, let's see, and their eyes shift up, they're making visual images. When they touch themselves at the midline and their eyes go down and to the right, they say things like that's downright important, and it tells you they're accessing their feelings. When their eyes go down and to the left, they're mostly talking to themselves. In fact, people will lift their hand up like they have a telephone and say to you, I said to myself. And if you're observant and you watch accessing cues, it can tell you not only what modality they're thinking in, but the sequence in which they do it. People will go, it looks like a good opportunity, but I feel frightened about it. Do you believe that anybody can change anything at any time? Well, if you're talking about interpersonally, I do. In terms of mental things, you know, what psychologists call problems, what schools call learning disabilities, I believe human beings can always evolve and optimize their thinking processes. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. Can we unlearn fears? Oh, absolutely. If you can fall in a river at the age of five and learn to be terrified of water in a matter of seconds, you should learn to be able to not be afraid of it in a matter of seconds. The way the brain processes information is designed to make things familiar. That's what our brain is constantly trying to do, is to make things like other things so that we can function. And that means we have a tendency to generalize and sometimes to overgeneralize. But there's a mechanism in our neurology to find counterexamples and to undo that process. I mean, when people have terrible memories in their head and they remember things and they're bothered by it, they always make those pictures life-size or most often larger than life. And it's not that hard to shrink it down to a six-inch picture and blink it black and white for a few minutes. And when you do that, it's very hard to go back and see the same picture again. 
neurologically that mechanism is there, that if you remember a traumatic event, normally people start at the beginning and run it to the end. But if you start at the end and rewind it really fast backwards where people walk backwards and talk backwards, it doesn't run forward so automatically because neurons, all the neural pathways that we grow, out of the millions and billions of them, each neuron knows how to get to the next one in the pathway, be it ever so microscopic by size. So when you run it backwards, it has a tendency to flatten that out so it doesn't happen so automatically. So these post-traumatic stress phenomenon and horrible things that are traumatized people in their youth typically can be abolished in a matter of moments. That's wonderful stuff. I mean, it's really getting into the details of how you change the direction and color of fears and how to uh, address the issues that people are facing. Yeah, and it also, see, to me, part of what I like about it is, is rather than exposing all your personal weakness to another human being and having them trample over your personal history and getting you to relive it, which has been tried for half a century and simply has not worked. Psychology is founded on the notion that insight produces change, that if you can figure out why you have a problem, somehow or other magically it will disappear. Nowadays, we know that all of this is held constant by our neurology. So if we understand how to influence our neurology, that the color of our pictures and the distance from us of our mental images, the location of internal voices, the speed at which they speak, all of these things are manifested into the very mechanism by which we maintain difficulties. And it's also how we maintain the good stuff as well. And there are mechanisms by which you can undo these things and build new things. Even beliefs. Uh, switching a belief is something people do all the time at some time in their life. So why shouldn't we be able to do it on purpose? In today's economy, there's sure been plenty of bad news. How can NLP help people find a better life? Well, NLP is founded on the idea that you can sort out your good decisions from your bad decisions. And certainly you cannot afford to make many bad decisions, especially people who have made a few already. You can't make bad decisions about who to trust, and you can't make bad decisions about who to listen to. you really got to make the decision now to look at the future, plan for the worst, and do the best. The Society of Neurolinguistic Programming was founded in 1978, so when people are looking for seminars or workshops, is that the certification that they should look for? Uh, that's what I would look for. I would look for somebody whose trainer certificate uh, has my signature on it. I always sign it in ink. I don't let people print my name off. It should be an original one signed in ink, and it should be dated within the past couple of years because NLP is evolving very rapidly, and if somebody's training is 10 years old, that means that they don't really care about their profession. People who are updating their training constantly and staying current with the technology uh, this is a very young field, and it's growing very fast. We haven't slowed down developing things. We've been accelerating every year. And uh, you can always check with the Society of NLP. You can go to purenlp.com, or you can always go to richardbandler.com, and there are links so that you can find trainers all over the world who are current in their training. We have institutes all over the place. And it changes all the time. So we're always adding new trainers. Right now I'm in Florida doing a trainer's training. We'll be 60, 70 new trainers walk out of this room at the end of the week. Your more recent work includes being the founder of Design Human Engineering, or DHE. What is that? 
Design human engineering is a little bit different take than neuro-linguistic programming. In neuro-linguistic programming, we go and find a good strategy inside of a human being, and we pull that mental strategy out and install it in another human being so that the unconscious processing of one human being becomes then the unconscious processing of another. So with kids, we teach them to make pictures of big letters, and that way they can copy them down. That's a good strategy for spelling. Works a lot better than phonics. Good spellers all do it naturally. We got it from good spellers. Design human engineering, you look at the normal strategies that people use, and you discover they're pretty boring and sometimes painful. That people have motivation strategies where they're screaming at themselves. They're going to be late if they don't do something. A lot of people wait till the last minute to get enough stress to motivate themselves. And this is a little bit more like being an interior decorator for the inside of your head. Instead of having one little voice trying to motivate you, you get a choir of 300 people singing, get the hell up, and put a little music inside your head, and lions and tigers and jet planes, and you build powerful new feelings that you've never had before and have them drive. And it's all about designing new internal states so that your internal world is really fantastic. You have huge, giant pictures and loud voices and sounds and dramatic feelings because I believe that the inside world is more dynamic, then your external behavior will be more dynamic. got to ask you one question. You said that you never really expected NLP to leave the San Francisco area, much less become the huge international phenomenon that it's become. Well, it's not that I didn't expect it to. It's that I didn't expect it to so fast. I believe NLP caught on. Uh, primarily because when people saw me do things, I didn't say it could be done. I've always demonstrated it could be done. I would go on stages in front of hundreds of people and bring up people who were, had public speaking phobias and having them talk. I'd have people with fear of heights climbing the balconies. And I would bring in schizophrenics, and by the time I was done with them, they wanted nothing to do with their symptoms. The fact that the proof is in the pudding I think, convinced a lot of people. And the fact that it's easily learnable, it's not esoteric, it's not a theory, it's not a lifestyle change. doesn't matter who you are, you can use NLP techniques. And salespeople became interested in it, uh, business people, uh, scientists, school teachers. And so I traveled more and more, lectured more and more, wrote more and more books, and people who saw me talked to other people, and even before the Internet, it's spread around the globe. And certainly with the advent of the Internet, it's proliferating even faster. And I believe that's because my students go out and do good work. And I think it leaked over from place to place because I didn't just work with psychologists. I worked with business people and sales training people and all over the place, school teachers and architects. And I've done training programs for the military and all kinds of things where the whole rule of thumb for me is easier, faster, quicker, cheaper, and permanent change, not temporary change. I'm very much the pragmatist, and I think what made it catch on so much is that it works, and people like to succeed. You don't like it when you turn on your cell phone and no light comes on the screen. You don't like it when you move the mouse and click it in the computer and nothing happens. And certainly when you talk to other people, you don't want to be ineffective either. Richard, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me today about NALP. You bet. It's my pleasure.
If our listeners have any questions about NLP, they can visit the Society for NLP website at www.purenlp.com forward slash society. Or to learn more about Richard Bandler, you can visit his website at www.richardbandler.com. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. You can learn more about our guest on the Unbreak Your Health website. Just look for the podcast page at unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this show. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. Unbreak Your Health is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.